You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry. You're very welcome to the show tonight. I hope I find you well on this Wednesday evening. I'm delighted to say that my guest this week on Stand Out with myself, Ian O'Connell, is Dahi O'Shea. Dahi is an Irish television presenter and he currently hosts RT1's Today Show alongside Mar Duran and Sinead Kennedy. He is also the current host of The Rose of Tralee, and I can't forget to say, he's a proud Kerry man. Sit back and enjoy the show. Well, Tower. Die hard things. What's happening, boy? My good boy, how are you? Sorry, but, jeez, I, I, I started, I went into the Zoom and, for the, the the whole thing started updating. I'm thinking, jeez, why is this updating now? You're all right, boy, there's no problem. How's <laughs> life with you? Life is good, not too bad at all. Uh, taking it easy now yourself after the Christmas. Like, jeez, I ate my own body weight at Christmas there, so. Stop, that's been... all you do. Oh, jeez. So uh, I said I'd try to get out walking, though, so I might go walking later on now with a stray. I had a good excuse to do me there, just too cold. Like. You did. You, you, you get over the cold, songs the rain, says wage, no? That's the thing with me, anyway. Yeah, once you get, o- once you get over the, the cold, it's grand. Like, but, jeez, when it's pissing rain and everything's very hard to get out. It is a nuisance. Come here. Thanks so much for doing this now, all right? No problem. Sorry it took so long. No, no, no. You're grand out. Just a, a general chat about your own, yeah. your own career. Is that all right? Yeah, 100%. You can ask what, whatever you want. We'll fire away. So, Dahi, thanks so much for joining me today. How's um, how's everything with you? I suppose you're on the, the other end of the, the thing today. You're not doing the interviewing. Yeah, I, Ian, I'm on the back foot. But Camille, thanks very much for the invitation. I know we've, we've been trying to do this a few times before and you're a busier man than I am, so I'm delighted we, we, we finally got to sit down. But Camille, I'm in great form. I had a lovely Christmas, took it nice and easy. Uh, I was very tired coming into Christmas, if I'm being honest, and usually what happens with the Today Show, like we do we do five shows a week and it's a, it's a short enough period between September and Christmas, but it's busy. But I go into Christmas and tired. But we have a big long run open till June. And usually it takes me a few days to thaw out after it. I'll sleep a bit in the afternoon there on the, on the couch and the chairs. And I try to do that at the weekends as well. Uh, I think it's good It's good for my body and soul. You know, you would notice though after the, the Christmas, I think especially between Christmas and the New Year, you don't know what day you have it all. You, you you don't really, and if it wasn't for the RT guide or the newspaper, you wouldn't know what day or or, or even what time of the day you have either. So you know, but you know, th- there's something nice about that too, because like particularly in the job we do, like say on Mondays you're doing certain things, and we're in studio, like we're live at half three. There's no twenty five to four, so it's all very very timed for us. So you know, I kind of do like that in between Christmas and New Year, where I'm not too sure if it's a Wednesday or a Thursday. And where I have to go and check uh, what it's like. So I like to be able to be a bit freer like that, not knowing where I'm going or where I am. It is good to chill out, I suppose. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell me a small bit about your um, your your childhood growing up? What was um, what was the young dog he like? Was he into sports or what was he? Did you enjoy yeah. school? <laughs> young dog, he was David for a long time and still is like my mother. I was christened David. Would you believe that now? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, I was David O'Shea, yeah, after my uncle Dave. Uh, my mother comes from Glownthorn, which is just around seven or eight miles outside Castle Island. So my parents met in America in the 60s. My my dad is from, he was from West Kerry all the time. So they both uh, went to Chicago, uh, two different routes, and they came back together. They met each other over there. And funnily enough, my father's father met my mother's mother uh, in... Chicago 
in the 1920s. Are you serious? Yeah, they, they, they have to go to the same dances together. So uh, anyway, my parents come home from America with my eldest brother and sister. Uh, they were born in America. My other brother, Danny, was made over there, but came out over here. And then seven years later, I came along and my sister Marianne came after me. But it, it was a very, very straightforward up, upbringing, really. Like, there was nothing fancy. My father drove a truck for Kerry Co-op and my mother stayed at home minding us. Uh, my mother walked us to school every morning, which was a mile back the road and a mile home. My mother went to walked us to school and walked home with the messages, two bags of messages. There was only one car in the house. My father had it to drive to Dingle to, to pick up the truck to go. He used to go to the store twice a day at that time. Uh, mm -hmm. with me. And he'd go down, pick, he'd meet all the farmers in my own parish, approach them over, collect the milk from them every second day and off to the stall with it. Like so, but it was a bit, it was a very busy house. Like there was nothing fancy or anything. Um, it was sugar sandwiches. Uh, some, sometimes going to school, uh, it's the way we were brought up. Uh, if, we weren't allowed to have milk in the evening if there wasn't enough for my father's tea in the morning. That type of stuff, like, <laughs> but you know what? It it, it made us the, the 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 men and women we are today. And I suppose um a big part of your life is um Greg and the yeah. Irish kind of what was um what was that like? I suppose what what's your first memory of uh, I suppose getting into learning Irish was that um a big was it important in your house growing up? Yeah, well, funnily enough, Ian, I never spoke English to my father in my life. Unless, really? we, unless we were in company with somebody who, who didn't speak Irish, then we spoke English, but we never spoke English. Uh, so I spoke all Irish to my father and all English to my mother. And I remember when Rita came over, my wife came over first, uh, the first time she came into our house, my father was speaking Irish to my mother. My mother was answering back in English and she was saying, what the heck is going on inside here? <laughs> so that's, that's the way we were. But like we, we kept Irish students then in the house as well when we were younger. Uh, so, and then we used to go back to the Kayleys. We'd great crack at the Kayleys. Like, so, geez, there was only one thing in our mind that time when we were in our early teens, and it wasn't promoting the Irish language. No, it was another type of tongue we were looking for. <laughs> another <laughs> native tongue we were looking for. So, far, far, far away from the, the Irish and the, the language. Do you think that, what? um, in general, I suppose these days, do you think that the Irish language is, I suppose, not fading away, or do you think that there's a like it's obviously important to keep it alive because it's our own native language. Can do what do you think is it like these days, Dahi? Is it still kind of going? I I think it's way stronger, uh, Ian, than what it was when we were younger. Like say people outside the Gaeltacht, like when I was probably in, I say my teens even, and even uh, maybe early twenties, people there was people from the Gaeltacht and there was outside people from the Gaeltacht, like and the same with Irish speakers and people were afraid to speak it. You know, with the say you've TG Carr came along then in, in 1996, you have a huge uptake in girls going on all around the country, Ian. And that's eight years of people learning everything through Irish, and they don't know any different. Like they they don't see it as learning through Irish or English, they see they're just learning, and it's a very, very natural thing. And that's finally bearing fruits, and that that has moved on through secondary, the secondary system as well. So that's hugely positive. And um there is and that there's no kind of chip on the shoulder about it anymore. Yeah. Like uh, loads of people coming up to me and even saying hello and Kunastanto Dian of Skill. And they said, Doy, that's all I have. And I said, Man, that's a great start, you know. So that barrier, that serious BS barrier has been broken down and it's freer now. But I but Ian as well, like say young people today are a lot more confident than what we were like. Say when I was 14 or 15. The confidence I had wasn't wasn't the same as a, I I probably had more street smarts than confidence. Really, no confidence to have like it's brilliant like, and they don't care to make mistakes. The big thing before is was about oh what what if I get something wrong? It's, it's like there was a punishment. No one gave a crap. It's the only like, way you learn. 
And that's it. Like, for example, like, like I make mistakes all the time in English and in Irish on TV every day. And nobody says anything to me. And people were so worried about making mistakes in, in Irish that I put them off. For example, if you were down in LA South Central and some fella said to you, hey, man, how is you? Would you go, sorry there, you're actually incorrect. As how are you? Are you, you wouldn't. You're right. You get a clatter like, and so so that's gone. So that's kind of gone out of it as well, which opens up a whole new world. And then now you have social media, which is just brilliant altogether. Like, because I follow some of the guys on Instagram and on Twitter, and it's all just very very laid back, all natural. It's young and old having the crack. Uh, it's about entertainment more so than a focus on the language, and they just happen to be learning. So. I, I think these days the Irish language is a million miles ahead of where we were when we were growing up in the eighties and nineties. <clears throat> it is, it's, it's it's very important, like you said on um on social media. There's yeah. a girl I follow on TikTok. She's living in New York, I think, but she's Irish speaking Irish all the the time over over there. And obviously, TG Carr, that's um that's huge now. Like there's different huge. things on it, sports and and everything. I suppose for you was the. What was the was the I suppose the goal growing up, or was it accidentally? How did you get into I suppose TV presenting at the start? Die. Yeah, uh, Ian, you know, I had no, I had no plan, I had no aspirations at all to be on TV. If you asked me when I was leaving school, would I go to the moon first or would I be a TV presenter? I said, you know what, I'd probably have a better chance sneaking into some type of shuttle and getting to the moon. I didn't even want, when I was going to school, I didn't like being in school at all, Ian, if I'm being very, very honest. Yeah. I just, just didn't like being kind of boxed in. I was working in a meat counter in Garvey's and Dingle at the time, all through secondary school. And I was kind of quite happy just to, just to even not do the lead leaving at that time to, just to go off working my brother Danny had done it before my sister did my brother first of all, my eldest brother came and went to Mary I to become a teacher my sister did never finished secondary school my brother Danny never finished secondary school and for a long time I kind of thought that's what was in the cards for me as well but like I did my leaving cert in 94 and that was really a twilight zone in one sense because five years before it probably more than half the class wouldn't have went on to to university and really? maybe five, 10 years after the leaving cert 90 percent did you know so it was really in that uh that era of a twilight zone as in there's something there's, there's a change on so it was actually my mother asked me said will you do the leaving cert i said okay i will i do the leaving cert to keep you quiet and i said you know what i'll be working for the rest of my life i do the leaving cert so i, I went my brother danny was out in chicago at that time so i went out to him and said in june of 94 after doing the leaving cert Kind of saying this is it now because we were all American citizens to our parents anyway. So we were allowed to work there and then got the leaving cert results and did all right. I got about 300 points that time. I don't know what that equates to these days because it's H1s and H whatever. I don't understand. How complicated these days. Oh, geez, I made a total uh, complication out of it. But uh, so anyway, so my mother said, look, will you come home and repeat the leaving cert? I said, ah, oh, geez, mom, I don't know. I'm kind of, I've kind of been here now for the last two months and I like it. I was only 18 as well at the time. So I was very, very young. So I said, okay, I'll come home to repeat the Leaving Cert. And I didn't do half the work. I had the best year of my life in uh, when I repeated my Leaving Cert. And I got 400 points. And I got I got the, the course to go into Mary I to do history in Irish. So the plan was then to become a teacher. So that was the plan really all along. I went back to Dingle in my third year co-op year. I was back in Dingle. I was teaching the Christian Brothers School and uh, in the presentation convent. There are now pubs called Corcovina that came together since. And that was really the plan. But I got, I, I didn't get the HDIP the first year. I missed out in the second year. And then the third year, I got the, oh, the second year, the second year, I got the HDIP in 
Belfast in Queens, Belfast and Minute the same week. And I got a job, a full-time job in TG Car uh, as well. So I stayed there. But before that, I came out of college and finished that work and finished working that summer. And somebody said, Would you be interested in presenting the weather on TG Car? And I said, I said, How do you mean presenting the weather on TG Car now? As in on television, like yeah, on television. And I I didn't have a job because I was just finishing the summer job. I was working on the boats out of the Blasket Islands for the summer. So I said, you know what? I'll go up and check it out. And the following week I was I was on screen at uh, just doing doing a piece to camera. And if probably the two weeks later, I was on doing the weather forecast. So I was got a job part-time teaching as well in Cork that time. And I was going to teach a car at the weekends, did that for a year and a half, and then became full-time staff and haven't worked a day since then. It's it's mad though the way things can happen. Like I'm the same as you before. My accident, if you asked me to go into radio, like I wouldn't even yeah. stand up in front of the class. Like, but it's it's great. I think in one way, kind of it's better to kind of go into stuff that you don't expect, you know, you're yeah. Kind of throwing it the 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 deep end was um was your mom when you were younger when you were starting when you were on TV would she ever be texting you after saying would you tuck your shirt in or that, top, <laughs> that end? I think she was kind of worried first when I told her that I was going taking a chance to stay as as working on TV as opposed to going teaching again that has all changed like I said when we came out of college we were we were going into a job for life and we weren't really going to come out that has all changed now if you've changed two or three times now it's even better again for you so. But no, I think she was very proud in the beginning, and she still is, I think, very, very proud. And but like I'd always call after the Rose of Tralee, she's the first person I'd always call after the Rose of Tralee. And really, it's a kind of a how did I do, mom? You know, and I'm 47 years of age, and I still look for that of my mother. And would you did, did you ever consider, I suppose, that here in the, the future, would you ever consider going to, to radio, or would it be kind of like a big jump to radio television? Yeah, no, it, it's a, it's a question that, that I'm asked a lot, Ian. But um, I'll 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 give I'll give you my schedule for the year for television. Right, there's 166 Today shows. Right, there's a 20 part chat show for TG Car. There's a 10 part music series for TG Car. There's live Patrick's Day, New Year's Eve show for TG Car. Uh, six part flag hold for RTE and the Rose of Tralee. So there there isn't there isn't room for much else. I'm afraid. It is. It's. 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 It's a crazy. Um. Crazy. Uh, schedule. Did you? Will I be right in saying that? Um. You covered on TG Carr at soon uh, a couple of years after. Did you cover the Galway races or somewhere? How did yeah, you find them? I, um, I suppose going from weather transitioning onto sport. How did you find that? Yeah, it was it was great. Like, cause, like I said, the, the thing about weather and continuity in TG Car, and I was there for eleven years. Like, say so you're on live and you're on all the time, but you're doing the same thing. But it gives you a great foundation to go on to become whatever other uh, TV presentation you want to do. So, what the races was probably actually, I think the first big gig I got was in two thousand and one. I'd be on TV twenty five years after the summer. Would you believe that? But anyway. Oh, yeah. I got, a, I got I was asked to present the Graden Kjol, which would be the Oscars of trad music for TG Car, and that was in front of a uh, thousand people. And it was gone. There was three hours of TV to be broken up into two one and a half hours. So that was the first big thing I did. And then I got on to they gave me a call to do the race in Galway, and I suppose I was covering the stall as well for about uh, seven or eight years as well. And geez, like it was great because like September at home was great because they'd send me down to Kerry for the week. Like sure, I was having a great time all together down there and I get back to go home but that live experience you, you, you just can't beat it and there's an excitement about it all the time do you ever but, uh, when you were starting out were you nervous um I was uh, nervous kind of stroke more apprehensive than nervous Ian. 
in, in the sense that I think if somebody's nervous, it can kind of t- it can be it can just take over everything. But if you're apprehensive, apprehensive is a good place to be. I'm still apprehensive, some even with the Rose of Tralee, because I want to make sure that the Rose do well. I want to make sure that the crew do well. Did I do well myself, and that everybody enjoys themselves? You know, so uh, apprehensive more so than anything else. I think, yeah. But there's an excitement about it as well. In, and what you realize about broadcasting, I, I'm not too sure. You, you probably experience it yourself as well. That do you know? Do, do you know the kind of excitement you get yourself about? Like that's part of the payoff. Like yeah, 100%. that's part. Like that's that, that, like so we're we're alive. Like when that's happening. Like but and do you know sometimes when you're doing stuff all the time, you just have to kind of wake yourself up sometimes. Like the Today Show, we do 166 shows a year. So every day you kind of have to go. Gee, this is going to be good now. You know this is and this is why it's going to be good because. But I still do it. I still come out. It, it even happened there uh, before Christmas where I was in the middle of an interview and I was just pissed off at myself that I didn't, I probably gave 90%, I got 90% of what I wanted as opposed to closer to 100. Like, you, you're very, you'll, you'll, you'll hit 100 every now and then, but like, you, it'll always be the high 90s with me, but this was kind of probably high 80s, low 90s, and I was, I was just really pissed off at myself. And I, and I wanted to go back out the following day again to do this, to do another interview and to get the high mark again for myself. Now, this is me against myself. This is me against anyone else. Like, you know, it's not anybody else saying it to me. And I, I remember reading A.P. McCoy's uh, autobiography uh, where he was riding in a, a, a 2,000, a 2,000 uh, pound race and market raising where he thought he should have won the race and he beat himself up all night and all he wanted to do was go the next race and win it. And he did the following day. no, that's the only comparison I'll ever have myself to AP Mackay, twenty times British champion. But uh, it's 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 the it's the the, the method and uh, uh, maybe the madness behind the whole thing as well. Did that come from? Um, I suppose I, I can kind of relate to to that when I was young and even to today. Were you kind of when you were younger up, even playing sports? Were you were you kind of because I know I am. Were you kind of your own biggest critic? Like were you always hard on yourself, saying I I could have done better? Yeah, I, I was in one sense, but like uh, we had a couple of like I played with the girls up there, my club at home, and we were very, very lucky underage growing up, like because we had uh, a fellow called Daro Shea and Daro Kaneda, two lads uh, who who everybody knows. Uh, they were on the team. Tomas came a bit later. Tomas was a bit younger, and Adon McGarrett uh, roughly around the same time after as well. But we'd have played together with Adon's brother uh, Robard as well, and we were very, very lucky growing up. Uh, we had some fantastic players. We won the we won Division One in Kerry under twelve. We were beat no, we were beat under twelve. We won under fourteen, beat under sixteen, and won the minor championship. And that in part of that team then fed into where the girl that went on to uh, be the All Ireland finalist in two thousand and four, twenty years ago now. So we were very very lucky that that competitiveness was. Not alone in us, but around us as well, because we great players. Like, like you should have seen Daryl Kinnear and Daryl Shea playing underage, even under 12 and 14. Jesus, they were unbelievable. Like, Daryl Kinnear would have left and right foot, taken frees from the 45-yard line under 12 and 14, and he, and he was putting them over. Like so, And then they went on then to play for Kerry. So we were all just so proud of those guys playing, and Tomas and Marco came after as well, and Adon. Like, it was just great to see them. But that, that sense of competitiveness was, it was, was in us in the Galtuck as well. And then, just back to what you said earlier, we had the language as well, like, yeah, we had the, we were going in playing other teams there, like, and we said, Jesus Christ, we have to, we we have one up on these, like, because we have the language and we spoke all Irish on the field, and, and we'd be telling them what we were going to do, and they say, what what's going on? So we use it to our advantage all the time. It is. I remember playing someone in the Guild before. They were actually, they were they were speaking in Irish between each other, and I was yeah. I was the same. I I had the clue what they were saying half the the time. When I was doing a bit of research, and I said it to. 
to my, I don't know, was it my mom and my auntie, you done, I don't know, when you were with TG Car 2007, did you do kind of a, was it like a Route 66 travel yeah. show? What was that like? Uh, that, that, that was the, that was the, that was probably one of the highlights, even, even, even still, like, we, I did a show called Charity Eurostar in 2006. It was an RT where we were singing for charity. My charity was the, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And after that, then really, in one sense, like more people, uh, real, they, they began to notice me and what I was doing and so on. So I, was, I sat down with T.G. Carroll, who I was full-time with at the time. I said, look, I really want to do Route 66. I said, a big, huge Chicago connection with my family, and I want to go explore it. So we put a plan together. That, that was the first one. So we did a six-part series on Route 66. It'd be almost 20 years ago. I think it was 2007 we, we, we recorded that. And I just had the time in my life. It was just unbelievable. I remember going through places like uh, Bankster Springs, Kansas, and uh, Clarence, uh, Missouri. And these are towns now like on the skull. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but the American version of them. And people like when people look at America, they look at Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, Boston, uh, New Jersey and everything but like for me like say going through all these smaller towns out in states that I'd never been before that was that was the that was the real kind of beauty for me and to finish up then uh, in LA as well like we did some crazy things so that was the first one then the second year then the year after we did a show on the Blues Highway and again we started New Orleans and up past Chicago as well like we met people like B.B. King uh, uh, Benny King and Percy Sledge. I remember interviewing Percy Sledge in uh, Louisiana and we were chatting when he was talking about picking cotton when he was younger, back in the 40s and 50s. And uh, he he was talking about his life. And I said, Percy, give us an old blast, will you? And he's like, when a man loves a woman. <laughs> and it was like, it was, it was like he, he was 25 singing the song again, you know. So we met some great people like that. The year after that, then. We did a full 10-part series on uh, my honky-tonk heroes. That's what we were calling them. All the, all the country music stars. And then the last one then, the last one we did over there was from Fort Kent in Maine all the way down to the Keys in Florida. So that was a 10-part series. So we did a great time over there, Ian. I loved it. And there's even talks maybe about going back next year if I can, if, 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 if I can find time for it. And like you said, you had that connection to from your parents like when you were, yeah. when you were going... Over there, you mentioned there a minute ago, kind of broadcasting and stuff. That he, in yeah. um, I suppose in I suppose radio and television. Do you think that in twenty now twenty twenty four is um everything going kind of digital? Like obviously radio and podcasts alone. How big do you think that podcasts are getting over the last couple of years? And do you think it's a good thing for you know being through on Spotify rather than reading a book? Yeah, well, I, I suppose, look, I suppose there's, there's space on this stage for everyone in. And I think it's important to say that as well. Like the thing with podcasts, and I think the secret is, like, say, if you can find a niche and uh, if you can nail that with a good personality, like, I think, like, I think that's that can be very successful. I, I'd imagine that's one of the reasons why your own podcast is successful. Like, because I was going down through the list of fellas that you've interviewed, and I said, Jesus Christ, I said, this fella has some black book, this fella, you know. <laughs> But but it's part, but the, yeah, Hugh. But it's it's great. It gives people a voice. It gives people a platform to to um, express what they're interested in. Like so, I was talk, I was talking to this woman one time. And she was talking. She was doing a, a, a ten part series on st- st- sustainability when it comes to clothing, and I was just saying, Christ Almighty, like who would listen to that? Right, that's yeah. what I was saying. So I went off and I listened to it. It was brilliant. It was just absolutely brilliant. It opened up my mind to everything. But back to your, back to your uh, question about TV, kind of linear TV. Yeah. I I think with the strengths in linear TV, 
from now on is in live broadcasting. Like we, like I love those big, huge, expensive documentaries. They're absolutely fantastic, but they cost a load of money. But I think, like, say, if you're looking for value for money, which lots of people are now, and uh, that sense of Jesus, that, that's happening now. I'm going to watch it. It's like the Rose of Tralee. One of the reasons why the Rose of Tralee TV show is so successful is that something is going to happen. Somebody's got to be crowned the Rose of Tralee on, on the Tuesday night. But we built that show into something like, Jesus Christ, I'm a, what's, what's the lad going to do next? Like, I got into ice bats and all this type of stuff, and I've come out, torn off the clothes and everything. And that's part of it, because in a pre-recorded show, you can kind of go forward or back, or you can watch it later. But if there's something happening now, what you what you want to watch it, and you do want to be the guy at the water cooler the following day going, Jesus, what, what happened there? It's like the match. It's like talking about the match the following day. So live TV, I think, is where it will be at uh, in Ireland, anything around the world as well when it comes to television, because as you say, everything else can be can be moved on onto the computer and onto our phones. Absolutely. And just moving on there to the Rose of Tralee, yeah. obviously that's, I suppose, one of your biggest gigs as, as, beside uh, the Today Show. It's, um, I suppose, your baby in, in, in one way. You're, you've been yeah. there and it's so long and it's, it's huge all over the, the world. I suppose we see the couple two or three nights that it's on, but like you said there, there's the behind the scenes, like what goes on, I'd say, is mental, like, and people don't see a, a TED on what, what work goes in. What's it like behind the scenes, though, I suppose, leading up to the week or two weeks leading up to the Rosa Tralee? Yeah, I, like so we meet each other probably in March and then there's a big meeting in uh, July where we meet as many of the Irish roses as we can. And then we meet the rest of the roses as they come the week before. So we're kind of the the, the balls in motion, even in those uh, weeks as well, where say, for example, one year, like say a bit of information we might get is that say there was a cork rose a few years ago and she was a big fan of Jerry Springer. So what happens is we go off and try to contact Jerry Springer's people to get a video, to surprise the roads on stage to say, look, and, uh, any chance you can do it. So that ty- all that type of stuff happens uh, in the lead up to it. And there's a lot of important work. And it's just, you're creating those moments, like say the Cork Rose, and oh, look, I was always a big fan of uh, Jerry Springer, X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 blah. Actually, Joe, we have a message here from Jerry Springer. So there's a big awe moment. So you're trying to create all those awe moments in the build up to it because once we get down to, like I said, the week of the Rose of Tralee for us, it's a very, very busy time. Things are chopping and changing. We're putting interviews together at that stage as well. We're finalising everything. We're refinalising things. And you know what we try to do then? Uh, we were there this year. I, I think it was it was the Saturday or Sunday. And uh, we were inside the room. It was, it was Saturday, actually. We were Saturday. And I was there. Everybody was just getting really tired and cranky. There was no, there was, the air wasn't circulating properly around the room. And I said to the, I said to the producer, I said, you know what? We go to Banner. So, so five, five of us got into two cars anyway and out to Banner. And the waves, geez, they were six and seven foot tall. And we went into the sea for about half an hour. We came out and it, we were like new people. And we went back into the hotel again. And, uh, so, and then we, we went at it. And you know what? It was a, it was a great thing to do because I'm trying to keep as much energy as I can for eight o'clock on Monday and eight o'clock on Tuesday because there's fierce excitement down around Tralee, Ian, as you know, but like yeah. I'm trying to try to stay away, but I wouldn't drink for a month before that now as well. But I tell you about half 11 on Tuesday night, we lower the handbrake and we go for it. When they're, when they're singing the rolls of Tralee at the, the end, oh, he's yeah. gone. Go, I'm gone. gone. Mentally, gone. I'm gone. Getting the, the point. And uh, I suppose there's obviously huge um over the last couple of years, huge moments that have happened, I suppose. I forget what Rosa was there this year or last year. 
I remember reaching out to her while her parents died or something. She, yeah, she was the Clairos, yeah. Clairos, she's a phenomenal woman. Like her, her story was was unreal. And there is so many, I suppose, stories like that. What would have been, I suppose, one moment or a rose that stood out to you now? Besides Rita, now you can't say that. Though, yeah, right? no, okay, yeah, no, I won't. And you, you know, there's been a few crazy moments there. Like, if you a crazy one first, one of them was that. A few years ago, there was a, a, a rose called Emily Eastman, and she was the Ottawa Rose. It's, uh, she's it's over. It's probably over ten years ago now, Ian. And she was a she was a farmer. So I got a, I got this bright idea that we that she'd teach me how to milk a cow, right? So uh, I knew about it. The producer knew about it. The director knew about it, and the farmer from outside Tralee knew about it. No one else knew about it. She didn't know about it at all. A real live cow, right? So she was going to walk me outside. And she was going to show me how to do it again. Again, it was one of these things. Jesus, did you see what happened, right? So I was talking away to this lady on stage, and the director was there. There's two minutes left. There's three minutes. There's four minutes. Three minutes. Two minutes. There's a minute. There's thirty seconds. I said, "Lovely." I, geez, I was I, I was just so excited. I was just so excited about this. This is going to be brilliant. Keep talking. Keep talking. The cow's gone. The cow's bolted. The cow. Oh, Jesus. Christ. I was there for. <laughs> Jesus. So anyway, so we kept talking. Anyway, so anyway, nobody believed us that we had all this set up, right? Nobody believed us. So anyway, they saw the cow pin outside. Anyway, you're supposed to get a show cow for these things. This fellow brought a cow in from his farm and, and thought it would be fine. So that was one of the moments that never happened. There was another moment. And uh, I was on stage with this rose. And I don't know if, if I've ever told the story. And it was a, and no one ever heard, just, I don't think anyone's heard the story before. Uh, one of the roses, she had lost her mother few years before and her mother always told her that there was a great connection between her and butterflies and that anytime she sees a butterfly that it was to think of her and that it was her spirit around so we were on stage in the rose it's really a show as my father is up in heaven and right in the middle of this conversation this butterfly flies past us you serious and we were our genie we, like we were like oh my god and we kept going with the conversation and it was just that second you know that second in life well, you're up on stage, you have the whole country watching you, you have two and a half thousand people inside in the dome looking at you. And what we'd spoken about an hour before it, and we were chatting about it before, and this butterfly was right up there, and then this takes off again. I, de- I definitely there. believe them kind of... Yeah, them kind yeah of same as that. I know outside the back there, there's um the doves, you know, the birds. My my nan has, my nan that had passed away, her favourite yeah. animal was a dove. And yeah. they go down to the, the garden every, every day. It's mad the way things like... That yeah. happened, and like you said, there about the cow. That's the thing with live television, dog, isn't it? Like, there's yeah. no, there's nothing like recording a podcast <laughs> where you can edit it out. Whereas live TV, there is a, there is pressure. Would it be yeah. the same? I suppose moving on to the Today Show, would it be the same? On that, like, is are you on a very very tight schedule down to the T? Yeah, we already. Yeah, it's it's a bit looser though, and uh, that's the way we want it as well. Like, so. I suppose the Today Show has changed a bit in the last couple of years. And I think when COVID came along, Ian, we decided, okay, we were going to be this kind of happy place for people to go to every evening at half three until 20 to six in the evening. Uh, because what comes after us on RT1, you have the North Australian, and then you have the 6-1 News. So the news people, they do what they do, and they do it very, very well. They tell people what's after happening. And the majority of the time, it is really, really tough. And uh, so we decided, no, we have to be this kind of, this light uh, and this fun place to be. So that's what we have done. We've really changed it, and it has really, really worked. The figures have shot up. 
and uh, everybody is really really happy with it but we do five shows a week so you do get you, you do fall into a rhythm now when we're rehearsing um you'll hear me saying a lot can we take that as red can we take that as red can we take that as red because there's no point in you know yourself Ian, there's no point in rehearsing too much because nobody will ever see it yeah well, I'll put as as I won't say as little effort because that wouldn't be right either. Um, as much as I need to in, and everybody knows because we're all doing it so long as well, it just takes that uh, a moment to work out of it that we all know where we're going. We all know how we're going to get there as well. And just sometimes things happen, and that's funny. Like and people like what I always say: something going wrong for me and working, something going wrong for a bomb disposal expert has two different outcomes. Exactly. Do you think that the the, like you said, five days a week. Do you think the week kind of goes not faster, but a bit quicker when now that the fact that Mara and Sinead are on, like I'm sure when you when you uh, come to Wednesday or say, right, Mara's here, we're closer to the weekend. Yeah, it, it, it's unreal. And it's, I, I don't know if it's a psychological thing or what is it, but since uh, Mara, I think Mara part-time around probably around four or five years ago now. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's Sinead's in the door, and all of a sudden Morris coming Wednesday, and we're gone. It 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 just happens. It just happens so fast, and it it breaks up the week. Lovely for everyone, and you know what? It just has a you have a different dynamic in studio as well, and that's all good. Again, because we've been at it for so long. But um, it's a great show to work on. Like, and uh, people really miss it when we're off the air, which is always a good sign. Like, it's very easy to find out if people are liking you or watching you because, uh, particularly with a show like that, if, you, if when you're walking down the street, people will tell you straight away. Whether they like it or not, and whether they're watching, which is always good. I I watch it every day, and I'm not just saying this now because you're here. But I come home from, I leave work on uh, around three o'clock every day, yeah. and I I'd be halfway down the car, and I'd be ringing my mom, say, "Throw on the TV and have it on at half <laughs> at the time three. Do you know? Obviously, um, you're you're living in Galway, aren't you? Yeah, I um, am. Yeah, and the today show that's broadcasted in the Cork studio, I believe. How do you how do you find that? I suppose like it's a Kind of a hefty journey, or yeah. up die. How would you find that? Yeah, we're 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 two we're two hours from Cork City. We're we're uh, about a half an hour south of the city, so it's two hours up and two hours down. Uh, I stay I, I stay one night a week as well. But like, say on the way down, you're listening to different say news programs because, yeah. and then and other shows as well, and then you're picking up stuff that you probably will be covering a bit of it later on. So you're using your time like that, and then I use it as an office as well, where I'm talking to people, hands free, of course. Uh, on the on the phone and then on the way back then it just depends what kind of a mood if, if i'm tired i remember when we were doing a show called the daily show in dublin with claire Byrne and myself were presenting it together and reed and i lived let's say around a five minute drive from rt that time and i'd get home from work and reed would be chat 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 and i'd be talking my god i i, I just I, I haven't decomposed I, I i was just what's happening here like there's so much so many questions coming at me and it took me a while just to kind of go so i used the drive form now to go yeah, and now I can feel like I can, jo- I can join the population again by the time we get home. So I use it to my advantage. Now you do have a pain in your behind driving this time of year. Now it's cold and it's dangerous, and if the weather's bad, I just stay down there. And during the summer, then uh, the the last couple of months, there are silas trailers, tractors, JCBs, everything out. But uh, we take a nice and easy driving anyway. All, all part of it, I, I suppose. Do you know? Um, I obviously the cooking segments every. Every day, as well as the the, the news panel, because I are on the link until I hear on radio. Kerry goes yeah. goes up now and again. But um, do you know what the the news panel? Do you um, I suppose as a presenter, do you kind of learn something new every day on whatever topic that you you cover? 
Ah, you would. Ah, you would, 100%. And not long would you learn something new, but you get different people's perspective because you've three panellists uh, there. And it's amazing that three people can uh, read the same piece in the paper and, and have three different outlooks on it as well. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's good like that as well. And then you say, OK, geez, I didn't see it, see it like that. No, so. But again, yes, we, we cover seven or eight uh, news stories every day as well. Now, again, the majority of them are light and a bit of fun. And which is the way to which is the way to have it as well because we find the ser the serious sort of things they're all going to be coming to you on the six one news anyway so the kind of middle 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 range seriousness and and some madness and a bit of crack is always good for us. Brendan, his guess and the 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 with the map inside how 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 um how that wasn't that he he only started I suppose doing that in the last couple of years did he two or three years. Uh, pr probably, yeah. I'm trying to think. That came about because we 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 wanted to make more of a connection with uh, our audience and the people at home. And it's hilarious, though. Particularly different places, right? So we we started asking people to send in pictures from their areas, right? So say if it came in from say this one came in from uh, Ian O'Connell in Tralee. Oh, lovely stuff. So we all know where Tralee is, right? So next one, oh, this one came in from uh, Mary in Galway. Yeah, we know where Galway is. But um, this one came in from Joe in Terman Fecken. We need to get a map at our point, you know, because people like seeing their own area as well, you know? So that's how that came about. And Brendan then's like our shtig, right? You couldn't see the shtig's face. You can't hear Brendan talk. That's the... That's the crack. No, and I, I don't I want I don't want to describe his accent because I don't I don't want to break the mystique of our Brendan, or as I'm calling him these days, HB handsome Brendan. <laughs> he's hilarious, though. He's 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 got uh, the, the, the link in the the spark. Last question before we finish up. Obviously, yeah. you're a you're a, a big family man, and your your son. You, you're I know I've heard you in interviews and articles and stuff. You I I, I kind of take the you're you're very close and. Eva, a, a good um, a good band. How would you like to? I suppose, especially when you're away that third week. How would you like to chill out with himself and Rita and say the weekend? What do you like to yeah. do to wind down? Oh, it's, it's the tree was hanging around, just taking it easy, even out in the garden, walking up the side of a mountain. We have a lovely river down here by Tour Valley Lee. It's it's a it's a good place to be in. You know, when you're going all the time, even with the roads of tree, there's nothing nice about when the roads of tree is over to close the gates and just to be at home. Um, people ask me, like, say, oh, do, do you, have you eaten here and eaten there? Like, we eat at home. And we eat at home because th that's what we do. But, uh, but like, like I, one thing I learned about when I became a dad, like, I used to be, I'd have lots of things going through my head leaving work, and I'd bring some of it home in my own head with me and other things. And then, but it's funny, when I go into the lad and I'd, I'd, I'd lie down, we'd be, t I'd be telling them a few stories. And do you know what? It's, it's amazing the way that everything else went out of my head when I could do that. And uh, but he's going around these days now, and he's the he won't get the haircut. And uh, any, any parents watching this now, right? He's saying, By God Almighty, I'd be young for at home now, and he wants to keep the hair long. And he is the finest thick head, head of hair, making his father his father had to go to the CHRC in Tralee into the bond. And the other fellow won't cut us. And the, and the other fellow, I, I, was, I was looking at him there this morning, going, Hi, boy, do you see this? Do you see this? And he has the finest, thickest head of hair. And I said, do you know what? It's fantastic. And he, he's a happy-go-lucky young fella. We're here in St. Thomas's now in Galway, and we're in the Ireland final against... Uh, When's that on, Dahi? Uh, the 21st. Oh, Lachlan Gales now, and St. Thomas is in the Ireland final. It'll be a cracker. But, like, you, you, you know Conor Coney? He lives about two fields up here for me. David Burke lives about four or five. Oh, 
Yeah, Fenton Burke's only over the road as well, and Shane Coney's here. And uh, uh, they're a mighty club altogether here, in like they're, 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 they're all community based. The whole thing's about the community, the whole thing's about getting people together, young and old. Like, I'm sure, I saw sure David Burke there after winning the Ireland the following week, and he was around fucking around up in the field with the under sevens and his like. So, where would you get it? Where would you get it? And that describes uh, an Irish community, I'd say, down to the down to yeah. the sea. Yeah. Dahi, come here. Thanks so much for, for coming on now and I really appreciate your your time. I know that you're 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 a busy man with, with everything going on and I'm I'm sure twenty twenty four will be a, a big year for RT the today show and Rose training everything. I suppose coming together. So I appreciate your your time and uh, you never know, I might be an escort over to Rose some some some, some year. No bother, we, we, we'll, we'll sort that out. And Ian, come here, congratulations on all your own success and thank you very much for having me on. And as we always say by Kiri That's it, bye. Thanks a million, Dahi. Thanks, Ian. Good morning. Now, unfortunately, that's all we have time for tonight. I hope you all enjoyed the show and I appreciate you tuning in as always every Wednesday evening. A massive thanks to Dahi for coming on today to, to chat to me about his life and his own story and he's, he's gone through Latin life and he's worked in different places and everything. So I hope you all enjoyed the show and thanks a million for tuning in as always. If you have any questions or requests for next week's show, you can contact me through my Instagram, enoconnell321, or as always, you can drop me an email on my email address, ioconnell at radiocarry.ie. I hope you're all having a great week. Stay tuned into Radio Kerry because Brian Priestley is up next with That's Jazz. I'll be back at the same time next Wednesday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Until then, stay safe and mind yourself. You're listening to Stand Out with Eno Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry.